evening and welcome to the program tonight. It's going to be a Goodman's Jam packed with folks. Starting off momentarily with Brady Ackerman straight from Jackson, Mississippi, where he's a quarterback coach for Jackson State. Brady will join us to talk about his new transfer, Jalen Jones, and much, much more from our former old radio partner and, of course, Gator Always. Brady joins us and will be followed by the head ball coach himself. Earlier today, I talked to Coach Spurrier. Let me ask you this question. Is Felipe Franks a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender? Should his name be mentioned in the top five, six, seven, eight? Well, we'll find out what Steve Spurrier says about that. He knows a thing or two about it, right? We'll get his opinion and his take on it. Also, Mark Long of the Associated Press will be along shortly giving us his take on a few things, including the transfer portal. He might have been the first one to coin the phrase unintended consequence, which Roger Baldus used again tonight uh, on a communique. And then Franz Beard, the Iron Duke, will join us for an always good segment. We don't have Zach Alberti tonight. We had him scheduled, but I want to say a happy anniversary to Zach and Chloe Abelverde, their fourth anniversary tonight. I was thinking he was going to be on tonight, and he texted me and said, I'm in St. Augustine with my wife. We're having an anniversary. You're going to pass, my friend. Happy anniversary to Zach and Chloe. So we have many things to get done tonight. We can't wait around much longer because we've got a jam-packed show. Let's go ahead and see if we can get a hold of the act, Brady Act himself. Uh, he'll be joining us from out in... Jackson, Mississippi. Ever been to Jackson, Mississippi? I've been there a couple of times. Hello. And there he is right there in his purple-blue outfit on the screen, Brady Ackerman from Jackson State. Checking in. How are you, Brady? Hey, go Tigers. You know, All how right. You doing, buddy? Yeah. You know, it's been a while. has you know? been a while. It has been a while. And I've been missing you. A lot of folks here are missing you. I want to say hello, yeah. good evening to you. And uh, and and you can give us a little, a little report on what's going on there with uh, – Jalen Jones, among other things well, tonight. Yeah, no, no doubt, buddy. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, for us, in our, where I'm at and the level I'm at, and I think a lot of people understand that, that listen to your show and understand football, we're not last chance you, but we are second chance you. Mm-hmm. You know, we get some kids. I got a receiver from Ohio um, that was a four-star kid. I got another kid from Virginia Tech who's going to come in now was a four-star kid that signed Virginia Tech that was a, a good friend of Jalen um, that's going to come in. So, you know, we, 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 we do have to give kids a second chance. I mean, I mean, I think everybody wants a second chance in life, and um, that doesn't mean we're a renegade program or anything like that. No, we, we run it the right way. We have a great coach, and John Hendricks, our head coach, and um, we, we, we just want to give kids an opportunity to get their degree if they're good enough, like, uh, you know, to go to the NFL, then we will. We had two kids on the side of the ball, side with the NFL, Falcons and Jaguars. They're going to play this year. They're going to have a chance to make those rosters. And we got to upgrade offensively. That's where we've been lacking. So, um, you know, it's an interesting dynamic how Jalen got here um, with the regards to um, his dad was a minister or a pastor. He knows our team pastor. Pastor Pickett, and they were just looking for somebody that would take care of the kid and, and keep an eye on him and protect him. 
And I'm not saying that Dan Mullen didn't because Dan Mullen is a great coach and he recruited him since he was in high school. And um, But I don't think junior college was the right fit for him. You know, a lot of, when you get in trouble or you make a mistake or you get accused of something, buddy, I think at some point you got to decide, um, am I going to man up and be a good person and go somewhere and just play and do what I got to do to be a better person and get my degree? And I think that's what the – the, the kid decided um, a lot of kids uh, like some of those kids at Florida state went junior college and they've been bouncing around all over the place. But um, we were fortunate to get him. He's a great player. We're going to mentor him. We're going to take care of him. We're going to make sure that he understands right from wrong. And we hope that he'll get his degree and have a chance to play in the NFL. You also have a first chance guy there from Ocala, Florida, as a matter of fact, a running back. Oh, yeah. Kimo Clark is uh, one of my favorite. I mean, he, he's going to help us recruit Ocala. I'm going to try to sign a kid from Florida every year. Um, North Marion's got a few this year. Longworth's got a few this year. Lake Weir's got a few this year. So I'm going to try to sign somebody from that area. But um, Kimo's a, a great kid who's going to be here in the summer, who's, um, for us, is a legitimate running back. I mean, this time last year, he had Arkansas, FAU, FIU, UCF, USF, all these offers. And what I've told people is that I said when you recruit Florida, you got to stay the you got to stay the course because everybody offers kids in Florida because they want to be in on them. But you know FAU, who I think had a great chance to get this kid, said, "Well, we found two that we like better, so we're done." So the kid's sitting there on January 10th, and he's like, well, "I got you know." Nobody's recruiting them because the whole process was FAU or bigger schools. So all the uh, group of fives backed off of them. So we had a chance to get on them. And, um, you know, Coach Farmer and I have a great relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, when I coached at at Forest with my son was there with Coach uh, Austin and everything. And, um, you know, I just said, just give us a chance. And we beat Western Illinois, South Dakota on him. He's a D1 running back. He can play at Florida. He can play anywhere. He's a legitimate running back. Now, is he better than Michael Pre-Ryan or those guys at Florida? I'm not saying that. But this guy's a legitimate power five running back, and we're very fortunate to get him. We look forward to seeing him because he's one of our finalists for the Scott Bradley Trophy out here. We know about him, yeah. and he's been at the quarterback club, or you were – voted the speaker of the year a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> and, Is that not carry over, buddy, for another couple yeah, of years? Uh, I'm losing it. Uh, I, who got you have to be here to be able to be it. You know, you know. <laughs> well, who got it last year? Well, we, we, last year? We, we actually didn't have one, but we, the guy we liked was the coach at Stetson. He was very good. He was an interesting guy, and yeah. people liked him a lot. But, Brady, you always have a special place in our arts around here. And, Chemo, we like we saw video. Our you know our group of scouts went out and got video and uh, and brought it into the club and watched him run the football. And He was a nice kid. We, we, spent, we had them all into the club and talked to the finalists. And, of course, uh, the winner was a young man from Buholz, as you know, um, yep. and uh, who who we're really proud of as well. So Trent is going to be something special. So, well, so listen. That, now tell it. We're getting lots and lots of people who are writing in and saying, "Hey, I can't wait to talk to Brady and that." Hello, Brady. Good to talk, Brian Snyder, and everybody's saying, "Brady, Brady, Brady." Catch us up on what's going on out there. How you did uh, this year? What you're looking forward to? Your, what you're coaching? Give us a little. Give us a little sales pitch on Jackson State. Well, 
Well, I will. I mean, um, obviously, we had a tough year. We went five and five, but we had a chance to win the conference title. Our coach was fired, but the head coach uh, that hired me went to um, Mississippi State to coach tight ends, and, and he's a big time recruiter. Al Mummy, who brought me here, is now coaching with Stoops in the XFL. And so I was hanging out there, you know. But our defense coordinator got the job. His name is John Hendrick. He was with Stoops at Kansas State. He was with the, he was at LSU. He was at Mississippi State. He was with Jim Levitt and uh, even Carl Franks at uh, South Florida. He was a hot name, you know, back in the day. And um, he's a great man, an awesome person to work for. I love my job. I love the fan support we have here. I love the fact that, um, you know, I've got really good players and and we have a chance to win a conference championship. So I'm coaching receivers. I got a kid from Ole Miss who transferred in who had gotten into a little bit of a situation over there, but he was a four-star kid. I mean, you're not going to find many schools in our league that have a four-star quarterback, two four-star receivers, a four-star linebacker that had transferred in. And I think it speaks more volumes to um, our program, our athletic director, the things that we're trying to do here. Um, the history of our program, four NFL Hall of Famers, uh, than anything, you know, because we're not a renegade program. You got to go class, you got to do what you got to do, and um, it's been it's been a great experience for me. I mean, I'm excited about it, and um, I'm hoping, you know, I feel like you guys are gonna see us on national TV Labor Day weekend nice. on Sunday. You know, buddy, I know, buddy, you're gonna tee it up on Sunday after <laughs> church at the Country Club of Ocala. But after you get done, watch floor, uh, watch us. Yeah, I'll watch it. Absolutely, I'll watch them. Jackson you bet. Cookman on national TV. Gators are open, so I mean, you know, why not, different. right? Gators won't be playing. Yeah. As we well, see. I mean, I know you got to play golf. and you No, can, no, no. Throw horseshoes no, on. Do you throw no. horseshoes or play just golf? Just for it, checkers. Um, just <laughs> checkers in the sunshine, buddy. Um, I miss picking on you, buddy. Well, I, really I miss do. you picking on me. We miss you here. Uh, <laughs> lots of folks. Lynn Tindall says the act is back. A lot of people are glad to hear your voice. I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of questions uh, from people. We're good, Brady. We're good, Brady. Well, we picked a busy night. Head ball coach, and of course we have yeah, friends, and we've got uh, Mark Long. But we want to hear from you now. Give us your view from afar. You have a son who's on the squad, um, Brandon, and. Uh, Brendan, excuse me, and uh, I should know that name. Uh, and I just want to know exactly what you have seen, heard, know about these Gators and about Dan Mullen's good year. And and you know, you know the late, latest stuff about he's lost a couple of people. Transfer portal takes and get, transfer portal gives. So uh, anyway, so uh, and by well, the let's way, let's be realistic. The guys in the transfer portal couldn't play for for Dan Mullen. All right, I mean the prior staff. And they're good kids. My my son was friends with them, and, and Brennan is no longer playing. His knee injury was so bad that he had to oh, retire. I'm sorry. But, I know um, that. But, but, but he was treated very well. Dan Mullen and the uh, University of Florida treated him very well, so that, that has no issue. But um, some of the guys that I've seen in the transfer portal, it is what it is. You know, that, that was kind of the transition. Um, Dan's getting the right players. It's interesting. I'll tell you a quick story, and I'll, sure. I won't keep you very long. I was in Houghton High School. You ever heard of Houghton High School? I have not. It's in Houghton, Louisiana. So mm-hmm. I have the I-20 corridor in Louisiana, which is Monroe all the way to Shreveport. Okay. So I'm recruiting. So I walk into this high school, and the head coach, it's it, the head coach. I sit down, and the head, I see a picture of Dak Prescott. 
And the head coach coached Dak Prescott in high school. It's oh Dak God. Prescott's high school. Oh well, I didn't God. know that when I went in there. So I did. I was, I was looking at it. Go, man, Dak Prescott, stiff arm, and somebody goes, "Yeah, he played here." I went, "Oh my God, I'm a <laughs> terrible recruiting coach." You know, <laughs> I'm talking the guy, and the guy was so. I mean, he just he told me how he took Dak Prescott to a camp in Louisiana Tech, and he said the coaches there said, "You know, he, he'd be a good college tight end." He said, "Damn, John Hevesy." John Hevesy. John Hevesy. Hevesy was great. He said he was always on him, whatever. And I said, and, and then obviously we know the rest of the story. But my point was, when you asked me about a view from afar with Florida, is don't get caught up in the four and five stars. Dan Mullen knows what he wants. Dan Mullen knows talent. He's not going to recruit off 247sports.com, whoever's in business now. He recruits based on what he thinks is a good player. And when people figure that out, they I mean they'll realize yes, Alabama and Clemson are getting all the five star kids. There's no doubt about that. But when people realize that Dan Mullen and his staff know talent, Florida will win the SEC. Just 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 back I promise you, the guy knows talent. And he, he got it from Urban, he got it from himself, but that he'll get that, and when Florida gets the facilities that Alabama and Clemson have, mm. then the rest is history. Interesting, interesting take. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think on top of that, the guy can call ball plays, and he can develop, oh, he can, and, he can, and he also no, no, can right. develop talent. Which is look know. what he's done with Franks. I would have told you well, three years, Felipe Franks was a dud. All right. And I'm you did. Football you told now. me that on the, on the show. I didn't tell you that. Don't yes, you did. We talk, We argued about it all the time with World of Beer. World of Beer, you always say, well, he's, he's not going to be able give the guy a he's chance. He's a great coach. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think Florida's in good shape. Just don't lose home games to Missouri and Kentucky and everything. Oh, and get that shot in there, didn't you? Had to get that well, little I mean, shot in there. Well, I mean, you just can't. That can't happen. No, of course. We, not, we understand that around here. But let me just say this. I talked to a guy that knows a little bit about playing quarterback. He'll be following you, take right. a segment, and I said, what do you think of Felipe Franks? And what do you think he said? Um, he said, uh, what did Coach say? Coach said, well, Felipe's gotten a lot better. He said, right? let's get him in the Heisman race. Really? That's what he said. Coach Spurrier said that? Spurrier said that. I'm going to play it coming up in a moment. And the thing about this is that Spurrier told me from day one, when everybody was like guys like you and others on the show were saying they'll never get there with this guy. And Spurrier told me, he said, hey, I would like to, no offense to Shane, I'm glad we had him, but I wouldn't mind having that guy show up when I got started coaching somewhere in South Carolina. A guy that big, 6'7", 240, throws the ball like that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, buddy. As you throw me and Shane and everybody else on the bus, who did you have? Who did I have where? <laughs> Who did you pick as the quarterback? No, I'm just saying that the physical, the physical specimen you got there. Oh, no. Shane obviously is uh, Shane's obviously a great player, but he's saying that he's got a lot of talent. And he even said to me at that point in time, he's big enough if he get if he learns to play the game, he could be an NFL quarterback. Now, Spurry was saying that. Nobody thought he could even start at Florida, okay? Now he's right. telling you no, something no, else. Sure. Telling you, let's put him in the Heisman race. Okay, now you can take what you want to, never mind what you say or I say. 
when the head ball coach said, let's put him in the Heisman. Uh, you can get that done, buddy. I'm with you. <laughs> so, anyway. Great. It's great being on with you. I love uh, needling you once in a while. Oh, I, I, miss awesome. I miss it. I miss listen, it. Listen, Jalen Jones, whatever he did, yes. whatever the issues were, yes. he, he's a game changer for our program. Okay. Well, and I'm sure. Us, for us, we're going we're gonna to try to win the HBCU National Championship, and I'm excited to have mm-hmm. him here, and I can't wait to get here June 1st. Well, I can't either. I, I'm so thrilled for you that, that you got him. When I heard it, I thought, this is perfect. He went to the right place and will get some help from the right guy. I know you'll be a real big help to him uh, in terms of, uh, of his, his issues he's facing. Look, we've all been through right. a, hard, a, hard, a few hard knocks in our time, and it taught us a few things, right? I'm sure you'd be yes, a good sir. life coach for him as well. So I, I expect big doing. things out of Jalen and your wide receivers. Who's your best receiver? Well, his name is D.D. Bowie, signed with Ole Miss. And then I got uh, another kid who is a 7A player of the year in Alabama and Mobile and uh, Terrell Kennedy. I got some receivers, Coach. Yeah, yeah. This, okay. this ain't Will Muschamp's offense. I got, I got some I got some receivers. <laughs> and let me tell you something. This Bowie kid, is he reminds me a lot of Demarcus Robinson. So, um, and Demarcus was a great player. Could have been a could have been a great player. player. Yeah, could have been a great yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's an NFL player. Is that tall? So we're in good shape. He's, huh? he's, he's as tall. Guy. He's tall as Marcus Robinson. Yeah. Well, I, oh, I yeah. thought that guy was going to be something special. Well, Brady, listen. A lot of people are saying, "Wish Brady was here. Come back to Florida. We miss you." Promise me, we'll get a chance to do this once in a while. Will you? Well, call me anytime, buddy. I appreciate uh, would you. love being on with you, and we miss you. And you, I just got a good feeling about what's going to happen for you in Jackson State this year. I really do. Me too. Say hi to the ball coach. Please. All right, my friend. You take care, brother. All right, good talking to you. All right, brother. See you All bye. right. Brady Ackerman. Boy, it's good to hear his voice, isn't it? Good to hear Brady. He's a good dude right there. You know, he just never got the right spot, right place and time to coach. Maybe this will be it. Maybe Jalen will take him to the promised land, and he'll get a chance to get in a bowl game. We'll see. Well, anyway, it's really good to hear from Brady. Right now, before we hear from the head ball coach, stand by. Let's hear from Daniel L. Hightower. Job-related accidents create incredible stress on your finances, your relationships, and most importantly, your sense of well-being. When the adjuster is not approving benefits you're entitled to by law, you need Dan Hightower to help you understand all of your legal options. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. Call Daniel L. Hightower today to better understand all your legal options. 352-629-7777. Three, two, time now to go out to the Rentstar Hotline and talk to uh, the ambassador and consultant who uh, is having kind of a quiet summer, I think. You know what they say, Coach Spurrier, summertime and the living's easy. Has it been easy for you? Oh, I've been doing some of my usual events. Uh, I played in the Chick-fil-A golf tournament up there. They have sort of a, what they call the coaching legend mm-hmm. division. Uh so I played up there uh, in that this year. Uh, Ricky Neuheisel, some of the former college coaches uh, come in and play. And uh, I played with Chan Gailey. Remember quarterback yeah, Chan from sure. Florida in the 70s? Yes. And he's a good player. <laughs> he's a real good player. Uh, you play a two-man scramble, and he carried me all the way around, that's for sure. So anyway, my golf game is not what it once was, mm-hmm. but uh, 
I'm still working at it, and I'm going out to the Pebble Beach Coaches Classic uh, this weekend. Uh, you go out Sunday, and you play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So uh, looking forward to that again. That's beautiful. You mentioned Rick Neuheisel. Did you all settle? Did you flip on that championship, or, or what did you do? Uh, who, who settle? <laughs> Let me ask you something. Who in the world thinks a 5-3 and three record is better than a 7-1 and one record? you got to be kidding. FanDuel is the one that declared us the champ. So well, they did. I guess okay. any team that looked like they were going to make the playoffs, they could claim it if they wanted to. <laughs> and I think that's what uh, Ricky was sort of going by. We were going to win it in the playoffs. and They'd already beaten the, the Apollos, our only loss, uh, when the referees actually didn't make a mistake right at the end of the game. But uh, – no, that's that's we're we're not arguing that, that so, that's for sure. I know you told me last time you you really had a good experience and you felt like you kind of finished the right way as opposed to how you didn't want to finish in South Carolina and it kind of cleared up things. But uh, now you're done. Are you done, or may, is there a chance you might? Oh, come who back? knows, buddy? I feel like I'm, I'm sort of finished. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was neat to go out of winter. That's for sure. And I, it ir- irritated and bothered me. Every day, the way that we finished at South Carolina, obviously stayed a year too long there. Obviously, the talent wasn't as good as it had been, and that was my fault. Uh, the coaches uh, brought in a new coach and kept the old coach on the defensive side. They didn't work at all. Uh, the harmony and uh, everything within the team was was bad, and it was time for me to get out of there with a two and four record. So anyway. Uh, if I ever never coach again, I got a seven and one record with my last team. We were hoping to win the championship uh, in, in the playoffs if we would have had one, uh, but uh, they did declare us the champs of the alliance, uh, FanDuel, the online sporting uh, group of people. So uh, I guess we uh, we were considered the champs. That's, they, that's good they, enough. Did they, they pay off on it? <clears throat> they, have a, they paid off. Yeah, uh, well, on the Apollos go. before the okay. season. Yeah, we were seven two. And they paid everybody bet on the Apollos. How about that? And so it, uh, they, they declared us the champion. Well, I guess you're officially the money changed hand in your favor. So there you go. You must be the champion. You know, Steve, thinking about those championships, and you had a few. <clears throat> Looking back on it, we've talked about this during the time you were writing your book and all that stuff about those great moments. And you said, you know, you, you stayed too long at South Carolina, but you really didn't stay long enough at Florida. Think about what you could have done had you stayed five even 10 more years at Florida, looking back on it now. Yeah, looking back now, uh, that was not a smart move, no question about it. But uh, times were different back in the uh, 2000, 2001, and so forth. A lot of college coaches, uh, Diddy Erickson, myself, Butch Davis, uh, in the back of our minds, we always thought, well, after a good run in college, uh, coaching the NFL four or five years, mm-hmm. and go from there. Uh, the NFL, you could almost triple your salary. And no matter what you make in life, if you got a chance to triple it, uh, a lot of people go ahead and do that. So, yeah, but it didn't work out. And uh, But it did give a chance to go to South Carolina mm-hmm. and uh, and become a, the winningest coach yeah. there. And we had some had some good teams. I wish we had won just one SEC, but uh, we didn't do it. Yeah. So, uh but that last year, uh, I did a poor, very poor job, and it was time for me to get out there. Well, you had those three straight great seasons through 11 wins, which uh, certainly was something nobody ever expected to see in South Carolina. So that's something. Uh, you know, And we won the division. We got a division had the a year chance. before. Yeah, I had I a think, chance uh, to win. Yeah. They, were, they were writing about which team was the best ever up there, and they had our 2010 
team that went nine and five instead of some of the eleven and twos. Uh, Auburn, that was the year they won the national championship, 2010. They beat us twice. Uh, we had that big upset over Alabama when they were number one. I guess that was why uh, the people up there thought that was one of our best teams. But uh, yeah, I think the three eleven two teams are all should be considered tied uh, mm. for the best team up up there because it was it was very similar. All three teams were in the top ten. All three won the bowl game. All three beat Clemson, but we did not win the division even, mm. wow. and uh, did not play for the SEC. So. That's just the way it worked well, out. Well, the number one Alabama certainly has to be, if not the highlight, one of the highlights for that South Carolina football. That was a good team you beat. Right? Yeah, the fans up there, when they start ranking games, they always put that one up there. But they asked me what one of the biggest wins was, and I, I said I think our biggest win was at the Capital One Bowl uh, when we played in Nebraska. If we win the game, we win 11, first time in school history. If we win the game, we're probably going to be ranked top ten first time in school history. So we ended up uh, beating those guys 30 to 13, and uh, it was a good, good, solid victory uh, for the Gamecocks. All right, Steve. Um, speaking of coaching, and this new XFL is cranking up, and there's some people who familiar names bounce around different places. They're going to be coaching, and we've talked about it once before. Tampa's got a franchise; they got their coach. I don't know who all's been hired. But what's going on with the XFL? What activities that you can tell us about that are happening in terms of hiring coaches or whatever? Well, all I know, buddy, is that uh, Bobby Soups, you know, took over the Dallas team in the XFL. And I guess they've hired all their coaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're uh, really using the same format that the Alliance had as far as time of year. Practice the month of January, play February, March, April. eight teams, uh, two playoff games, and uh, they end up right before the NFL draft. And that was our game plan. But I think what really is going to help uh, this new XFL, it's going to be on ESPN. Uh, The Alliance, we were on TNT, some, uh, the NFL Network. And I tell you what, people all over the country, they they don't even know we had a football this past uh, spring. But with it being on ESPN, I think they'll get excellent coverage. Yeah, you had a guy asking in Atlanta if you ever thought about going back into coaching again. You told him you were oh, coaching. Oh, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. But somebody said, you think you'll ever coach again? I said, well, you know, I just got through coaching last month. Yeah. Really? Where? No. <laughs> yeah. Never yeah. heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see if they got the right formula. It was too bad things turned out. But it was fun while it lasted. Uh, let me ask you about college football for a second. I know you follow it closely, even though you're not necessarily coaching in it. Uh, there, there's some changes going on I kind of like, and some I'm not sure about. But one of them I like uh, is the scheduling, how it's changed. Clearly the message has been sent that you've got to play good non-conference games. And, you know, Scott Strickland stepped up a little bit earlier in scheduling Texas and 28 and Colorado, whatever, and Georgia's done it. Other teams have done it. And, you know, it seems to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, this could be a decider for the committee down the road when you start evaluating teams because there's a lot of teams that have really cream puff schedules, and among them, Alabama has the worst in the conference. I mean, think about it. Duke, no offense to the Dukies. That's their strongest team. Mm-hmm. New Mexico State. That's their strongest team, yeah. Uh, and Southern Illinois and Western Carolina. Now, is that a non-conference schedule for you right there? Yeah, it's always uh, been uh, sort of a arguing point. Uh, uh, Pepper Rogers, who I worked for way mm-hmm. back in 
my second year as a coach, he said most coaches are as good as their talent and their schedule. So if you've got an easy schedule and you can win maybe 9 of 11 games or 10 out of 12, uh, or even go 11-1, uh, they keep saying the strength of schedule has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But, buddy, I'm telling you, they, they look at your one-loss record yeah. to yeah. me a lot more than they did who you played. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, it's uh, I wish I wish we'd go to eight and let all the conference champs get in, the five there, and then have three at large. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only one more week of the season, mm-hmm. and it would really, I think, be more fair to, to everybody. I'm with you. I keep reading stories about it, but I don't think it's going to happen. A lot of people are starting to talk about it more and more now. We'll see what does happen there uh, in in that playoff thing because they haven't got it right. Well, we're still voting. You know, yeah. we're still voting to, to go see who plays. Yeah, I remember one year, buddy, I was playing in uh, golf, uh, Sarah Lee Corporation, a big charity event, the Crosby, and up in North Carolina, uh, right outside of Winston-Salem there. And Dean Smith and Roy Williams, the two basketball coaches, Roy was at Kansas then, and uh, Dean was at North Carolina. And we started talking about this, that, and the other. And it was back when uh, the people that determined the national champion football were the voters, the AP poll. And then later, I guess they had a coaches poll. Uh, but anyway, I asked Roy Williams and Dean Smith, how would you like you guys play your season out? And uh, if you won your conference, maybe you got to go to a bowl game and play somebody that also won their conference. And then when it's all said and done, a bunch of guys would vote to see who's the best team in the country. And he said, that's crazy. Who would do something like that? And I said, well, that's the way we do it in football. But we made a little bit of strides with the, mm-hmm. you know, the four teams. But eight would be... I think a lot smarter. I agree with you too on that, Coach. Uh, uh, this transfer yeah. portal, I, I, I think it's good and bad. I don't think people understand it, and it's kind of like if you lose a player, it's bad for the fans. Fans think if you get a player, uh, you know, then it's good. Uh, I don't know if everybody understands it yet. What's your take on that? And do you think it's helping or hurting the game? Yeah, I never had to deal with it, uh, but what they have to do now is. Uh, if you do get a player and he's already signed with you, I mean, you have to keep recruiting him. Well, he may leave. Uh, usually all the freshmen come in and you tell them, all right, we're going to unrecruit you now. You're going to be one of the guys now. We're not telling you how great you are and this, that, and the other. You're now one of the guys. Uh, but you can't say that to the freshmen anymore. <laughs> I think you got to keep telling them how great they're going to be and this, that, and the other. Uh, I don't know, but uh, – it is uh, it is different. It's different that they can pick up and leave anytime they want to. I I, I don't think many any of the coaches hardly like it, but that's that's the way the world is now. Uh, if coaches can get pick up and leave after one year or two years, mm-hmm. why can't the players? Mm-hmm. So maybe they got a good point in that right there. Yeah. Well, you've always been a champion of the players. Final question for Coach Steve Spurrier um, <clears throat> regarding quarterbacks. You know as much about that position as anybody I know. You told me last year, when even back when Felipe Franks was struggling, you said give him a little bit of a year or so and let him let him be coached. You said to me he's got the size and the arm. Who knows? He may be an NFL player. How much closer is he to that? And after those four games he finished with, and the way he played this spring in practice, according to the reports we're hearing, is Franks poised to have a big year? Yeah, I think we ought to get him in the Heisman race. 
You could do that, buddy. <laughs> Put his name out there. I tell you what, he does have all the talent to, to do it. Uh, not only being six six, and he throws a beautiful pass, uh, he, and he can run a bit. He can shake guys. He, you know, they got a few quarterback runs for him. So he, he's capable of doing it all, and I think he's got some super wide receivers: Jefferson and uh, Tyreek, uh, uh, the tall guy, Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. Uh, they got they got excellent receivers. So. Uh, uh, the offense, offense should be real good. Defense, I guess, lost a few players here and there. But yeah. uh, Todd Grantham's one of the best D coaches around. So uh, uh, we we should have a chance for a big year. Well, they lost Jackson, the linebacker, yesterday to the portal, which I guess is going to be happening because when you got a guy that's not going to play, he's going to go look around to find if I, he's he's graduated, right. I guess. So, and I don't blame him. Well, read where so. he was listed like third. On the right, depth chart, right. So, so the, the right is on the wall, right? Going to be first on it somewhere. Yeah. 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 Well, coach, play well in the golf tournaments. All the best to you, and I hope to catch up. You have a great summer. I hope to catch up with you here again in a few weeks and, and see what's going on. Oh. Okay, buddy. Always good to talk to you. Good to talk to see you. you. See Steve Spurrier. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you heard it. There it was, right there. He ought to be in the Heisman race. Yeah, that's right. I didn't make it up. Wasn't me. If he thinks I can get him in there, he said I thought coming there. But uh, appreciate the fact that HBC thinks I have that much influence. Do all I can just to get my vote in every year. All right, so there you are. Thanks to Steve Spurrier. Good to hear from him. Man, how about that? Back-to-back Brady and Steve Spurrier. That's great. Let me tell you about uh, this company real fast before we get all, we follow this conversation up with uh, Mark Long of the Associated Press. just want to make sure that uh, – we keep the schedule on time, and I want to tell you that about Rinstar. This is a special group of people, uh, a special company, and I have a place in my heart for the folks there because they do so many kind things in our, in our community, and they're a very good facility for health. Uh, and I love how they're working in things like Alzheimer's and uh, dementia in a field that's really badly needed in our community. Um, I, I think it's important to know that the research they do goes to national firms to find ways to treat these illnesses and not just that also fibromyalgia um, a bunch of other things that they treat um, and and they're doing the best they can for, to find cures or treatments for osteoarthritis migraine headaches um, dementia etc etc so uh, I want to just mention one need they have. They're doing these research clinics, these trials, and they would like you to know that if they're looking for people to do uh, join open trials, and they especially need African-Americans and Latinos to participate in research so they can learn why more of them are, they are more likely to get Alzheimer's and find treatments that work for everyone. So they would love to have you enroll in a study if you can. Call them at 352-629-5800. Uh, you can uh, call them and also go online and get information, www.renstart.net, uh, to find out more about these trials. And, and there's a reason they say Renstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. Time to go out now and talk a little more about these transfer portals. Uh, also about how about that Felipe and the Heisman. I've got a list of games here. The first uh, big, some of the big games in the SEC. And we'll see what Mark Long thinks Hello. about some of these games. That would be the voice 
of Mark Long, aviator and pilot and Thunderbird and was it Blue Angels or Thunderbird? I forgot. Thunderbird. Thunderbird. I'm an yeah. Air Force guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, Air Force guy. Okay, I'm sorry. That's an insult. It's like saying, "Is that Florida <laughs> state of Florida?" You That's know? all right. <laughs> uh, but uh, did you ever actually fly? Did you actually actually well, when I you were a pilot? The Thunderbirds. I didn't fly in the air. No, no, I know, but so, I, mean, I knew you. I got the picture of you I, here drawing a few G's here on the USAF yeah. a helmet. And a, yeah, so, no, nine point three G's. I flew twice actually. I flew. In t- yeah, that's a you know a lot of people. That's a once in a lifetime experience. I got yeah. to do it twice with the Thunderbirds. Did you barf both uh, times over Kennedy Space Center? <laughs> did you throw? I up? flew the. <laughs> I did. Did not. Did not did barf. Not? Really? Uh, no, I, I pride myself in not doing that. Wow. Uh, I think they could. They could. Uh, they could make you barf make if they wanted to. Right. They could probably black you out. Fly you upside down. If they down wanted to, they could. They could do anything they want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they could take enough, pull enough cheese that you'd pass out. But yeah. uh, both times, I, I did uh, very well. Handled myself very well. And both times, I got to actually, uh, yeah, take take over control wow. of a jet. And those things are. It's unbelievable and amazing how responsive they are. They I mean, know. Any car I've ever driven seemed like a, a bicycle compared to, to that. <laughs> Mark, we have a tight show tonight, uh, and I want to make sure I get all your reviews okay. in. We had the head ball coach. We heard from Brady Ackerman uh, earlier. Good to talk to them. And I wanted to get to you on a couple of points to make sure I got clear uh, you know, uh, clear uh, thoughts from you. I think you might have been one of the first ones to, when we first started talking about transfer portals and transferring, which we discussed early on quite a bit on this program, the two of us. Uh, and I think you might have used the word unintended consequences. Um, I believe that's the first time I heard it said, and I adopted it. And now we're indeed seeing unintended consequences from the transfer portal. Yeah. I, although I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, I don't know yet, but it's a little more than maybe what college football bargained for. You know, the portal will give it to the portal is taken away. And we've seen that happen to Florida the last couple of days. But on, in reality, is it working, Mark? Well, that's the big question. I don't know if it's working, buddy. I, I think it's the jury's still out. I think it's working for some guys, and it's not working for other guys. Uh, I saw a number uh, last week where, uh, you know, there's just not a ton of, of, power five guys going to other power five schools. So it seems like, you know, a lot of power five guys are in and up at, you know, smaller schools and, you know, some smaller school guys might are in and up at smaller schools. So uh, I don't know how much it's working for the power five. I think it's great in terms of uh, for a player. And that's, you know, we've seen this push from the NCAA to be more player friendly in terms of granting waivers and allowing transfers and, you know, stipends and all that, all those things that needed to be done 20 years ago, you're starting to see them now finally. And I think this is the next step that this is good for the players, that it gives them an an opportunity to, to get their name out there instantly and make it be known across the board that they're looking to transfer and, you know, gives these guys, a nice little out, I think, where 10 or 15 years ago we saw a lot of guys would sign these, you know, would sign with schools and feel maybe feel like they're stuck at schools for four years. Uh, it's not the case anymore, but I'm not sure it's working for the schools. And that's, you know, and we'll see where this, I, I don't know where this thing's going to end up. I, I Somehow I feel like 
the NCAA or the conferences are going to pass some sort of legislation that um, that makes transferring not so not so idealistic. Not right easy. Now, not so easy. Idealistic. Yeah. Mm. You're not. You're not. Yeah. Yeah. Not so easy. You're mm. not so. Yeah. You you look at it and you. And, and I don't know that it's easy now, but I think in, in these guys' minds, it's, it's an idealistic out. You're not, you're not where you want to be on the depth chart or something goes wrong at school, like a Jalen Jones situation. Uh, and, the, you know, your first option is, okay, you know, it's the, re, you know, it's the reset philosophy. We talk about, we've talked about this before on your show, is that these kids who grew up playing video games since they were five years old, if the game's not going the way you want it to go, you start it over. You just hit the reset yeah, button. Yeah, and that's right. what these kids are doing in real life. They go to school, and if it's not going the way they're going, or the way they want it to go, whether it's the dorm life or the, you know, what's happening on the team, the depth chart, uh, you, you hit the reset button. And that's what these guys are doing. They're all hitting the reset button. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, you know, there's, there's only so many places, landing spots. There's mm-hmm. not enough landing spots for all these guys transferring. Yeah. And I do think the NCAA or the conferences at some point will pass legislation that makes it much more difficult for these guys to jump from school to school without greater penalty. I think what we're saying agreeing on is this probably a good thing, but it's not yet. They haven't found the answer of how to manage it just yet. They, they need to tweak it a little bit. So There's got to be some sort yeah. of, yeah, there's got to be some sort of, uh, middle road yeah. for everybody. Yeah. All right, so let me give you this final question of the night here, and I want you to think about it. We've had this conversation. Who have we talked about more than anybody else on this show? What Gator have we talked about more than anybody else since we started doing this show? Uh, some 16, 18. Felipe Frank. There you go. Thank you. You didn't hear this earlier, but I asked Spurrier about Felipe Franks because he was one of the ones early on who told me, He's got size. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. This is when people were hating on him. He said he could never get him there. He says, I think the guy might be able to play at an NFL level one day. Uh, this is what he said last year, like about after the third game. So he knows a bit about quarterbacking. When I asked him about it tonight, he said, and I don't think he was totally kidding. I think he had might have been a little bit pulling our chain. But he says, I think he, he ought, we ought to put him in the Heisman race. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! That's uh, that is a big statement. I, you know, I think if you're projecting that, you know, this is a guy who made a huge jump from awful coaching to very good quarterback coaching in, you know, six or eight months, and you project that, and you go, okay, you give the guy, you know, you give Dan Mullen a, another year, and you give Felipe Franks another year in that system. And all of a sudden, you know, if you project that, hey, you know, he's going to make another big jump and, you know, that jump might as well be in the Heisen race. You know, I, I could see where I know I understand where Steve's coming from and what he's saying. Um, it, it seems a little, you know, it's a little far reaching for me to grasp, to get my hands around because I haven't seen the guy play uh, and play at a really high, consistent level at all, even last year, you know, there were ebbs and flows, ups and downs. He was benched uh, midway through the season. So we're going to be benched. Uh, So from that standpoint, it's a little tough for me to think that uh, he's a Heisman quality, uh, Heisman caliber candidate, but uh, I wouldn't be stunned if he has a really good year 
And I, I'll say that I would not be stunned if he goes out there and just really lights it up and puts up big numbers. And beyond going beyond that, uh, I am I'm not at all would not at all be surprised if he's uh, drafted and drafted early. Not 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 top ten pick here, but certainly not final day either. I just think. Uh, there's there's too much talent there for the NFL to not fall in love with when you look at the athleticism, the size, the rocket launcher of an arm, uh, everything else. They're gonna NFL scouts and coaches are good, and general managers are gonna believe that they can hone and tweak and tighten on him. But uh, the natural raw ability is absolutely there for this guy to be uh, fantastic and to continue making huge strides. I'll leave it with this thought. This is special for you. It looks like the light has come on for Felipe, for Felipe Franks. He's come a long way since being coached by a used car salesman. <laughs> is that, that those are your words? Those are my words. <laughs> I love them. But for you, especially well, Taylor, for right. you. <laughs> All right, Mark. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well, you know, you know, I said that. I said. I know. You know, I said he I, wasn't getting any coaching. Now he's getting very I good know. coaching. So uh, well, that was my sorry, but you also so, said. Thank you. Yeah, but you you said the other thing too. And that's all right. So that's good. Hey, listen, good dialogue as always with you, Mark Long. Appreciate you very much. Hope to talk to you next week if you're available. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Long. We are, went a little bit long tonight, especially as a matter of fact, because we had uh, the couple of those people we haven't heard from a lot. You folks wanted to hear from. So now I got to get a hold of friends who's going to be mad at me because I'm late getting to him. This is how it goes here. When you get good people and you get good things, you also run behind because you don't want to give it up, right? It's all right. I really have it this way. I really have too many good things uh, and too many uh, good people and too many good guests and not enough. You hear enough of me. Um, let's see if the Iron Duke is standing by. I'll even put the commercials on hold for the time for the Iron Duke. Uh, Francis Beards, we're going to come this way right now. So, all right. Well, good stuff there. Yeah, he said it. He said it. He's a Heisman. Some of you, like Clinton Cruz, say, I told you so. Told you so. So, let's see if uh, we've got Francis Beard. Hmm. The person whom you're trying to reach wow. is currently unavailable. Well, that's not Please leave sure. a message after the beep. Well, uh, I think, well, there he is. I thought I had the wrong number there for a second. Francis Beard, the Iron Duke, is here. Turn your camera sideways, Jack. All right. All right. Had a jam-packed crowd tonight, including the head ball coach, who made a statement that kind of rocked everybody when he said, I think you should. we should put Felipe Franks in the Heisman race. That was his comment, which uh guy knows a thing or two about Heismans and about quarterbacks, and uh, you think that's a reach? Um, if he improves as much from the first game to the last game as he did mm-hmm. last year, no. Uh, the question is going to be, does he improve that much? Uh-huh. He improved as much over the course of a single season last year as anybody I've seen in a lot of years. Four games. Yeah, that was 
those last four games were just absolutely absolutely remarkable and you know we've talked about this before but I think it was there in him all along. I think it just came to a point um, that he had to start believing in himself as much as Dan Mullen believed in him. Uh, I said that in, in a conversation I had with Megan Mullen outside of a Bed Bath and Beyond recently. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> Say that phrase again. I said <laughs> that to Megan Mullen outside of a Bed Bath and Beyond. That don't sound right, man. <laughs> well, I was there shopping, and so was she. And uh-huh. we, we we uh, chatted outside outside the Tahoe as she was loading up on stuff and getting ready to go pick up the kids from school. It sounds like a novel opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't pass it. Anyway, uh, uh, one of the thing she said was she said Dan never stopped believing in Felipe Franks, and the key was to get Felipe to start believing in Felipe. Mm-hmm. And she said once he started doing that, it, it was like the whole world changed for him. Mm-hmm. And I think what we saw, particularly in that Michigan game, I mean, he was brilliant in that Michigan game. Mm-hmm. And uh, my goodness, if, if, if he plays like that for an entire season, yeah. Could he be in the Heisman? You know, I, I think that. Everybody, you know, who votes on the Heisman already has it preset in their mind that it's going to be either Tua or Trevor Lawrence or maybe even Jake Fromm. But uh, there's room for somebody to have a great season. Nobody had Kyler uh, Murray on their Heisman radar when the season began last year, and uh, he did all right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I, I I think it's I, I would I, you know look people are saying is Spurrier a sunshine pumper? They kind of say, well, yeah, he is a little bit. He also knows the guy who tells it like it is. He's not a guy who speaks his mind, uh, and he of course is not coaching Franks. He probably wouldn't be saying that because he hated people who said things like that when he was coaching. But I think he may have. Uh, this is just me. He he obviously was 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 using a little hyperbole there. But he does believe he is a good player and a guy who could be an NFL quarterback because he told me that last year when he was three games in, when everybody else wanted to run him out of town. Well, you know, to anybody who would doubt Steve Spurrier, mm -hmm. I got two words for you. Shane Matthews, who when Spurrier came here, was the number seven quarterback on a seven-quarterback roster. All yeah. he did was win SEC Player of the Year two years in a row, and if uh, Spurrier had had better players around him his senior year, he would have made it a uh, made it three in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Steve Spurrier took Shane Matthews from an absolute nobody and did that with him. Just so, so you know, I was covering the team then. You were a little bit too, and I remember it well. And there were five quarterbacks on that roster, and I wrote about it in a couple of books. And, you know, Shane was not a guy who would bowl your with his fastball. We'll have him on, by the way, Tuesday night and uh, talk to him. But he, uh, he was a he's a guy who wanted to play. He got a little bit of trouble when he first came here, and he loved the offense. And once he got into it, they totally he totally was married to it. He was the perfect guy to execute it. And then he, and Danny came along, and it was like, 
Danny, he plugged Danny into his brain. Remember how he just, from the sideline, he'd call the play and he'd wait until the last two seconds of playing. Danny would take the signal and run, and it was just like, like one person almost, telepathically, you know, coaching him on the field. It was amazing. Well, here's the, here's the thing that, that I always remember about Shane. He is the only quarterback that ever learned that offense in a single spring. That's true. That is very true. And um, so when Spurrier talks quarterbacks, folks, don't doubt him. I yeah. got to tell you what, anybody who would doubt Steve Spurrier talking yeah. about quarterbacks, you know, Go get a book, go copy of football, a uh, football for dummies. I've got, well, I've got two words for him too. Shut up. How about that? Yeah. Well, I say go buy a copy of football for dummies yeah. and, and, and read it and get the yellow marker and, and, and highlight it. And then when you've gone through it once, go through it a second and third and fourth times yeah. because anybody with doubt Spurrier when it comes to quarterbacks knows yeah. zip about football. Yeah, it was amazing what they did together. Well, uh, some people don't know Steve's background as a you know the quick cook as a quarterback coach and what have you, but he knew what he wanted and he was going to get it out of them. All right, let's switch subject for a second. I'm going to talk some ball, so I'm going to make some bets here tonight. Okay, I've got this list of uh, early betting lines on the biggest SEC non-conference games. And by the way, if you want to hate on somebody this this, this fall. And we talked a little about it, about it earlier this this week. Alabama has the sorriest out of conference schedule I've ever seen. Can you believe that Duke's the best team at Atlanta, and then New Mexico, and they only play them because it's a preseason bowl game. New Mexico State, Southern Illinois, and Western Carolina are their out of conference games. Well, Florida, Florida plays. Uh... Florida plays two uh, Division One AA teams. Yeah, but they played Miami and FSU though too for the non. Well, yeah, that's true too. But you know, you still play two Division One AA teams, so you start the season with two with you start the season with two wins, and you only need four more to be bowl eligible. Well, I, I don't like that either. But four, I mean, you know, I could see Duke maybe, but I mean, that's that's pathetic. For a team that considers itself to be a national championship contender every year, getting ready to play, I don't know. There's something just unknown. well, but but you look at the people they've opened their seasons with over the years. I mean, they they haven't ducked anybody. Yeah, but France, it's not it's not like they got any games not out of conference. They don't have any. There's four. They got none. I mean, that's I, I, if you want to keep if you go and get a cream puff in a bakery, fine, but don't eat four of them. <laughs> Well, all I got to say is, with the exception of Clemson, I, I they could play any team in the country in any division, and they'd be favored by two touchdowns. Yeah. All right, let me give you these. Here's a couple that I'll, let's, let's, I'll let you pick these games. Let's take it right off the top of Florida and Miami, eight and a half points, friends, on a neutral field. That's a lot of points. Is uh, Can they play any defense at all down there? Is it? Turnover chain going to be there? Would you take the eight and a half or would you lay it? Oh, I would take the eight and a half. I think Florida will win by much more than that. No, no, you I lay think, that. You won't, no, no, you won't take it. You'll lay it. Lay, uh, I think it's going to be a blowout. All right. Your own record is saying you have a chance to change this now. All right. Here's one. South Carolina, North Carolina on the 31st, the following weekend, and South Carolina – is a seven-point favorite over Mac Brown's team. 
That's about right. right. That's about right. Will's Will's got a, Will has a brutal schedule, but he's got a better football team than anybody wants to give him credit for right now. They're going to be pretty good. All right. Uh, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's take LSU and Texas on September 7th. These are all early games, by the way, the first couple of weeks. LSU at Texas. Seven-point favorite are the Tigers. Texas now, remember, they clobbered Georgia. Well, they did at that. And, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I think that LSU can win the game, but I think it's going to be closer than seven points. I, I think that's white knuckles. So you would not lay the seven? No. Okay. All right, a couple more. Uh, this will be interesting to see if Jimbo's got it together by then. Texas A&M is a 21-point underdog at Clemson on the September the 7th weekend. 21 points. Friends, that's a bunch of points. I would take I would take some, some of that money if I were a gambling man. Okay, so Jimbo, to... Jimbo just about beat Clemson last year. Mm-hmm. And, and um, there's a lot of people who tell me that, that even though they lost Travion Williams and that big tight end, et cetera, like that. There are people who tell me they're going to be better this year. Hmm. Uh, they're going to be pretty good. All right, one more. I like what uh, I, li- I like what uh, Greg McGarrity is doing, formerly of Florida and Georgia. He, he made a statement for the Athletic of the day about how he thinks that the non-conference games are going to be crucial to getting the path to a national championship playoff. He feels like they're going, teams are going to be rewarded and punished for playing a weak non-conference games. And he's reached out and, and proved his. They're playing Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's coming to between the hedges uh, on the 21st. And Georgia is an 11.5-point favorite against Ian Book and the guys from the Golden Dome. You know what? Um, I got a feeling that Notre Dame's going to be better than people think. I don't know that they can win in yeah. Athens. I don't know if they can win in Athens. But I think they're going to be better than anybody thinks, and I think that's going to be a really good football game worth watching. All right. All right. You and I have been to Baton Rouge a few times. We've we've had our times out there. Uh, And maybe, who knows, we may wind up going this year. We'll see. Um, But um, some friends of mine are are having a little bus trip. putting this. I'm going to mention this as as, uh, a favor to them, the folks at the Fight Gear Touchdown Club. Um, and I told him I'd let everybody know, so I'm going to post this, and you tell me if you think this is a pretty good deal because we've made that trip a bunch of times. If you're going to want to drive your car out there, you don't want to fly. This is uh, fairly good uh, stuff. Uh, the Fighting Air Touchdown Club, and if you are interested in this, you can contact me at my email address, which is buddymartinshow at gmail dot com. Uh, they have a sign up. This is the last month to sign up for the LSU bus trip. You get. Two people on the bus, two game ticks, tickets, a hotel room in Biloxi, Friday and Saturday night, bus leaving for Gainesville for $826. That's two people now. So. Well, I, I guarantee you that by the time that that game is played, the tickets will probably be going for eight hundred dollars. Yeah, they pay for. They will pay for. You're worth. You're right. That's worth the price of the tickets right there. Um, I, I I will remember. I, you know, I, I'll bring back a memory for you. And that was when we were there in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. That was the uh, 
Great football game, man. That was a great football game, LSU. That was when Les Miles went for it on fourth down five times in the fourth quarter and got it every time, which was amazing. I I, I thought uh, Mike Pouncey still tells me they they the you know, the the zebras were uh, generous on a couple of them, but um, I, I got to tell you what uh, that game. We feared for our lives, literally. Oh, literally. I got, I got pinned pen up were, against so dead gun wall. There were, you know, there there were a hundred thousand people in the stadium, and it's estimated that there were a hundred and fifty thousand people yeah. without tickets yeah. outside the stadium that night, yeah. and uh, it it was it was scary. Remember that? Remember the ending of that game? What happened? Uh, they went for the fifth. For, yeah, they went the, for the, the field goal. Yeah, and Jacob goal. Hester. No, no, not that game. This is the Jacob Hester game. Okay, this is the one where he they went for it five times on fourth down, and Jacob Hester uh, had the ball and it was hit by the linebacker uh, we like so much. He's from Jacksonville. Uh, gosh, I, Ryan Stamper. Ryan Stamper, correct. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, and he hit him right right at the line of scrimmage and had him stop. And if he stops him, the game over, no national championship for LSU that year. And he hit him, and, and Hester did a little yank. I mean, a little yank. And it looked like it might not be enough. Um, but uh, they, they, they measured it, and he got it by about three inches. I did a radio show with Hester last year on ESPN, and we talked about that game. And he agreed with me, and you would agree. That's one of the greatest football games I ever saw. And, it, uh, it was a great game. Uh, and and, it, and Florida had it won until Keystone Moore fumbled. That's true. Florida had Florida is going in for a touchdown that would have given the Gators, I think, a 21-point lead, and, and Keystone Moore fumbled, and that was uh, the game turned on that fumble. And never to be heard from again, I believe, was he? What Keystone was that the end of Keystone Moore was, or did he, um, he service he, the end? Now he 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 played. played some more? Did he? Okay. He, he played, but I don't think he ever got another carry in a critical situation. Uh, I I mean he played and he was valuable and he was a team captain his senior year, uh, etc. But um, he did. He never. He never had another significant carry as long as he played. Not. Not a. Not when. It, not when a game was on the line. Urban was. Urban was funny about that. If you fumble with the game on the line, you know, uh, getting back in his good graces Hard. was <laughs> almost ne- almost impossible. Uh, uh, next impossible. I no. would agree with that. No. I, no. I would agree with that. No. But. You know, I got to tell you what, we've been to, you know, in 2009, people were scalping tickets outside the, oh, yeah. the stadium for, you know, out, you know, we were on the walking from where we parked to the stadium. And it was, what, four blocks, five blocks, yeah. something like that. Massive humanity. And massive humanity. And we're watching people. You know, hey, you got tickets. Yeah, you got five hundred bucks. Got six hundred bucks, right. etc. Like that. You know, people just off the top. You know, they didn't. They had no idea who we were. All they knew is is hey, they, they were throwing money at right and left at anybody who had a ticket to sell. Yeah. By the way, uh, Brendan's on here. He's typing in. Uh, what's I know he's up for this. 
What would we think of a of a little road trip in a bus or some kind of caravan or some kind of special vehicle for, to Miami for the Miami-Florida game with a group of our people? What would that be like, huh? Well, that, that game is going to be at the Citrus Bowl. I know. And, yeah, that would be that would be kind of a fun that cheap, would be kind yeah. of a, a, a fun thing. Tailgate go before and then tailgate after and then wait until everybody leaves to, to leave drive home, you know? Wouldn't that be something, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, so just a little I something. I think it's going to be a good football season for the Gators. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got them picked, you know, just about in the top seven or eight teams. I think Athlon has them. Athlon comes out Tuesday along with Lindy's, and I think Athlon will have the Gators at number eight. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not sure what Lindy's will have them. I think Sporting News is going to have them at. Uh, somebody told me uh, the other day that Sporting News is going to have them at nine. I don't know mm. that for sure. It'll but, be a top uh, ten team. Let, yeah. me, let me tell you about one thing I've got here, and you can weigh in on this, and we'll say good night. Well, I, by the way, put in here a little item that I want to put in regarding what if, what if, what if, what if, if we had something we could all do together. I'm going to put this up called Lighthouse. Uh, and Lighthouse Keepers about what if we had our own weekly GNK publication? Would you subscribe? And I put the names of people who were on part of the campaign to keep the lights on. Uh, let them chew on that one for a minute. But here's something from uh, Athlon. Let's see if you agree or disagree. This is interesting. They rated the top defensive back units in the country. All right? You can probably guess a lot of them. I'll start at the bottom, and anytime you want to add one in there, let me know. Number 10 was Penn State. Number 9 was Washington. Mm-hmm. Number 8 was an SEC team. Who do you think it was? Mm-hmm. Probably Alabama. Georgia. Number Georgia. 7 was Clemson. Yeah. Number 6 was, this surprised me, Virginia. Yeah, Virginia's Number 5, low. Ohio State. And this has really surprised me. Number four is California. Number three is Alabama. Who do you think the two teams left standing are at one and two? Florida and LSU. You got it. LSU one, Florida two. I'm not sure I agree with that, but that's what they got. And by the way, I was thinking about this, this group of people. These names, I was just scribbling down names before I went on the air. You got Trey Dean, C.J. Henderson, uh, Marco Wilson, C.J. McWilliams, Brad Stewart, Sean, uh, uh, Sean, Sean Davis, etc. You've got some players, and I've even mentioned some of the young players. You've got some good-looking defensive backs here, you know? Donovan Steiner. Donovan Steiner hit that big boom of a hit last year, the game-winning uh, hit at the end, yeah. I, don't, I didn't list Steiner, yeah. Who else have I left out? Uh, Jawan Taylor, another one. Uh, uh, Jawan yeah. Taylor, yeah. Yeah, Florida. Florida is. Let's see here. Let me. I, I'll tell you who the, who the defensive backs are right now. Uh, well, corners, the corners are C- Marco and CJ. CJ McWilliams, Marco Wilson, mm-hmm. CJ Henderson, Brian Edwards, Trey Dean, John Huggins. John. Well, Huggins Brian Edwards is, is gone. They are in trouble at least right now. He's in trouble, but I yeah. I, I think he'll be there. Uh, John Huggins, who I think is going to have yeah, a, he had a big spring. I forgot about him. Yeah, yes, indeed. He is going to have a big year. Mm-hmm. Jaden Hill, another one. Chester Kimbrough, uh, freshman. Kyrie Elam, another one. And the yeah, safeties, mm-hmm. Jaywan Taylor, Quincy Linton, 
Donovan Steiner, Brad Stewart, Sean Davis, and David Reese, the other David Reese. Yeah, that's right. There are two David Reese's. Well, yeah. that's a good-looking group, uh, and it'll be interesting how fall practice goes. Francis, we went way over time tonight. It's your fault because you had so much good stuff. <laughs> stop doing well, that. Uh, I can tell you one thing. Uh, Gator fans need to get out to Katie Seashell Presley Stadium. The Gators are playing softball this weekend, Super Regional mm-hmm. against Tennessee, mm-hmm. and that place needs to be absolutely rocking and intimidating because if the Gators win this regional, they will have made it to the Women's College World mm-hmm. Series four consecutive years. Pretty mm-hmm. good deal, wouldn't you say? I would say so, yes. They've quietly done some one really. I mean, so great to have – you know, to have these teams in competition. By the way, we still got baseball to figure out. So, you know, I'm ch- right now I think we're in pretty good shape because I haven't seen uh, – and, again, it's going to hinge on, on this, what we talked about the other day. Um, as long as you don't have a league, say, a one that is going to be a one-bid league, let's say, like, um, uh, uh, well, a two-bid league. Let's say like the American, which has Houston and um, and East Carolina, both of which deserve to be in. And let's say one of those gets knocked off. All of a sudden, it becomes a three-bid league because Houston and East, ECU are in no matter what. Mm, yeah. That's how Florida get. That's how Florida doesn't make it. But uh, the last time that they were in this situation was 2013. They were 14 and 16 in mm-hmm. the SEC. They're 13, 17 this year. They played a tough schedule then. They played a tough schedule this year. And that year they were only going into the uh, regional. They were 29 and 28. This year they've got a nine win cushion. I think they get in. Okay. Our, our listeners are, are commenting on our, our DBs and Somebody mentioned that David Reese has been moved to defensive end. I didn't know that. Um, Not that we got two David Reeses. Well, is she talking about which one's she talking about? Well, well, David Reese's. He would only be. He wouldn't be. He would be an outside backer. He wouldn't be a defensive. He's an inside. He's a middle. I know. I don't know why he would play anywhere else because he's got the perfect instincts for it. I don't know what the other David Reese is doing, but some other David Reese is six feet tall and weighs two hundred pounds. Yeah. He's not going to play defensive end. Right, I agree with you. Uh, and then uh, uh, also, somebody brought up Lauren brought up Grant Delpit. He's right. He he looks looks like the real deal. Delpit does. I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's Grant uh, Delpit. Grant yeah. Delpit. Uh, Grant Delpit is a guy that if there's a defensive player capable of winning the Heisman Trophy, yeah, he's a hell of a player. He's that guy. Yeah, he is. He's, he is a, that he's a hell of a player. He is an absolute monster. I'll give him the edge on that. He's a hell of a player. <clears throat> um, so, uh, anyway, so I think the corners, Marco and CJ, are probably as a tandem as good as anybody, uh, those two guys. Um, and then um, we've got to get a little clarity on this. You're going to help me. You're going to help me with this, friends. I want to get a really good drill down this summer for our project on the offensive line. Which we need to really study and figure out exactly. You got a pretty good. You're good at this kind of stuff, and then, um, and I want to get to a look at this uh, 
uh, this secondary and see what's what, what's happening there because those two things there we know the secondary is great uh, and we know that uh, you know we know the talents there well, the offensive line I know what you're going to tell me the answer is John Evesey and you're probably right you're probably no, right. I'm not probably right I yeah. am right. Well, I don't there's know no, if he. No pro, he he's not a no miracle problem. man. He's not a miracle man. He's exactly There is coach. no probably about it. Yeah, he I took know. Elton Jenkins, Elton Jenkins, who was a nobody, mm-hmm. and Elton Jenkins was like a third round draft pick at center this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I I look at what he's done in the past with his guys. Uh, these guys gave up 37 sacks in 2017. They gave up 18 in 2018, and they played one more. And they played one more ball yeah. game than they played in 2017. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good deal. Yeah, for sure. All pretty right, Francis, good. I'm nodding here. It's getting past my bedtime. Oh, this old guy's got to be in bed by midnight. But Miss Joni, Miss Joni, Miss Joni, will get mad at you if you don't go to bed. Yeah, she time. says I got to go to bed here, so. She said, you tell France he's got to go to bed now. So, uh, <laughs> listen, thank you, buddy. Have, have a, thanks for your stuff, and have a good night. I'll talk to you this weekend if you're around, okay? How's it Dom is, feeling? Uh, it is happy Memorial Day to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks to our and, veterans. And, and, and let's, yeah, let's be thankful to to the guys that served, and let's be let's remember the guys that never came back, you know. Yeah, for uh, sure. My dad was uh, – my my late father was a uh, was uh, in the navy in the second world war, and uh, never for, you know every Memorial Day he really got choked up about the guys that he was in boot camp with and stuff like that mm-hmm. that he knows didn't come back yeah. you know yeah, things sure. like that and so. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I know a lot of people like that. I've yeah. talked to a lot of people over the years who say, you know, they Memorial Day for them is the one is maybe the saddest day of the year. Yeah. They feel grateful that they are alive, but they feel sad because they, so many of their friends and relatives never came back, and made the ultimate sacrifice. For sure. And by the way, my good friend Joe Williams, always thinking him. He lost an eye in Vietnam. He was a machine gunner, and uh, he can't talk about it to this day. But I know he thinks about his, his fall, as he called my fallen comrades every more there. So we think about all those people out there. And thank you for serving. Thank you for protecting us. Francis, have a great weekend. I hope your family's doing good. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right? Take care, buddy. All right, Francis Beard. Check in as always. I'm going to just say goodnight to everybody. Uh, thank you all for uh, listening and watching and all that. I do want to mention uh, my friends over at uh, Mark's because, uh, well, they're my friends. And I'd like to mention to you, if you've never been there, treat yourself. It's worth it for a special occasion to save up a couple of coins and take your lady or your husband or whatever, your mom or your dad out to Mark's. And we're lucky enough to have two of them here. Sometimes you can't find a good restaurant. We got two right here, and they're both in our area, Ocala and Gainesville. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood, of course, Known for their wonderful food. Should I put the picture of the food up? It's going to make you hungry if I do, I know. All right, let's see a little truffle fry here right here. Ooh, boy. I could eat those right now. 
I have to have a little snack before I go to bed, right? Just want to remind you folks, you can call and get a reservation. They'll be really busy this weekend. I don't, I'm not optimistic, but you can try them. In Gainesville, 352-336-0077. Ocala, 352-402-0097. Complimentary Valley Parking, com. Check them out. they got great seafood, wonderful wines, best beef around. You'll love it. They're unique dining experience. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. And let me say have a happy Memorial Day to my friends at Griner's, who are, will be open, of course, naturally, not on Memorial Day, but they'll be there, and they have outfits like this. And I've got some new things to post next week. Griner's has been in Ocala tradition since 1962. They've been serving generation after generation because they have not only have good clothes, you have wonderful service, customer service, and they are a big part of our community, have been since 1962. Um, if you're in need for anything f- formal or just like a shirt, tie, coat, whatever, uh, or just dressy casual, they've got it all, downtown Ogala, Grinders 405 East Silver Spring Boulevard. Check them out and see for yourself why there's no other place like it. Grinders Clothing for Men, Ocala Traditions since 1962. All right, folks, thank you our guest tonight. Been a good show. Thanks to Franz Beard. <clears throat> Don't forget to read his column, which is up right now, posted. Uh, also, uh, thank you to head ball coach, Steve Spurrier. Also, Brady Ackerman. Good to hear from Brady and Mark Long. Happy anniversary again uh, to Zach Abelverde and his wife, Chloe. And uh, we will talk to you. I don't think we're having a show on Monday night. We'll see. If Otherwise, we'll see you on Tuesday. Happy Memorial Day, folks. We'll talk to you then.